Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of our We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This is Corey Geiger flying solo this week. Jared Prugar is off and I've got two words for you. Nine times, if you're at all a fan of the classic movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know exactly what those two words mean. Nine times... That's when Ferris's mom is talking to uh, the principal, and he tells her he Ferris has been absent nine times, and and the mom can't believe it nine times. And he's like nine times. So you know, you know that's I love that two word phrase, and, and it is especially pertinent this week with the Penn State wrestling team having a tremendous, and I mean absolutely tremendous showing in the NCAA Wrestling Championships, winning a national championship for the ninth time in 11 years under Cale Sanderson, who has done just an absolutely incredible job at Penn State. Five individual national champs for Penn State, Roman Bravo Young, Nick Lee, Aaron Brooks, just Max Dean, Carter Starachi, just a fantastic show. It was so good for Penn State that they had the national championship clinched before the finals even started Saturday and then late Saturday night. And then five individuals went out and won national titles. We're going to talk a good bit about that on this week's We Are podcast. I, I we, we just got a jam-packed a uh, little 30-minute podcast here for you. We'll break it into three segments as usual. We're going to talk some wrestling. Big news this week for Penn State with Athletic Director Sandy Barber, the announcement that she will be retiring this summer. I'm going to talk about her legacy a little bit later on in the podcast. Spring football starts this week for the Nittany Lions. We'll talk about what to expect uh, some things to look for during the spring. And with college basketball, with March Madness taking place, when can we expect Penn State to get to an NCAA tournament with Micah Shrewsbury? What will need to happen for that to take place for the Penn State basketball program to become the kind of program that we think not only can even just get to one NCAA tournament, but maybe compete for them 
on a somewhat consistent basis year in and year out. We will start with wrestling, though. Nine national championships in 11 years. It truly is, and I'm not going to break down individual matches. I do want to tell you a quick story. All right, so uh, I have been in Orlando, Florida on vacation with my family uh, for the last week or so. So Saturday night, the finals come on, and we're at the outside pool area at the little resort that we're at. Not little, it's a, it's a big resort. Resort. Uh, we're at the pool area. They're doing karaoke in the background. I'm watching the Penn State wrestlers at the bar on one of the TVs in the NCAA championships. Everybody else is either doing the karaoke or swimming or watching NCAA tournament games on TV. I'm watching these Penn State wrestlers just dominate uh, just one after another, five individual champs. Uh, and as I, I saw someone tweet, I, this might have been Mark Wogenrich from Sports Illustrated, wrote that this was basically a, a commercial sales pitch for the Penn State wrestling program. And if you think about it, that's, that's really true. If you know, when you take into consideration the, the sheer dominance individual winning five national championships uh, and the, the way the guys like Brooks and Starachi and Nick Lee and all these guys won. If you're a wrestling fan, you're sitting there watching Penn State own the sport. Penn State has owned college wrestling for more than a decade now. And if you're a young college wrestler and you want to be one of the best of the best, where would you go? You would go to Penn State. I mean, what a recruiting pitch. And again, I think it was Mark Wogenich who wrote that at Sports Illustrated, but it's certainly true. You know, if you're a college basketball, you're a high school basketball prospect and you see Duke and North Carolina on TV all the time, where do you want to go? New Duke or North Carolina? If you see Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia on TV all the time in football, where would you want to go? You want to go to one of those places. With regards to wrestling, I'll tell you, if you are a high school wrestling prospect, why wouldn't you want to go to Penn State and wrestle for Cale Sanderson, the greatest college wrestler of all time himself? I think it was 159-0 and 0 that Cale went in college with four national championships, gold medalist, and now nine coaching national championships. I wrote a couple of weeks ago at DK Pittsburgh Sports, I ranked the top five coaches in the country right now, regardless of sport. Uh, if you, we talked about this, Jared and I, on our podcast last week, and you may have read the, the story, but I had Bill Belichick number one, Saban, Nick Saban number two, Mike Shashevsky number three, uh, Gino Ariama number four, and then I put Kale Sanderson number five. Now, College wrestling is not on par, not even close to on par with the NFL, college basketball, college football, you know, the NBA. It, it is not college wrestling, as much as this might offend some people, is not a major, major sport in this country. It, it, the college wrestling fans, wrestling fans in general are tremendously passionate about their sport, but it still is a niche sport. So when I rank Kale Sanderson as the fifth best coach in this country, regardless of sport, 
you know, if you're not a big wrestling fan, I think they're, what, 78, if memory serves me, 78 Division One wrestling programs. So it's not like, I mean, they don't, they don't do wrestling in large portions of this country. It's just not something that is, is a big deal. But, but yet still, I, I, I just want to mention all that for people to think, well, Kale Sanderson's not one of the five best coaches in the country in any sport. But hey, when you win a nine national titles in 11 years, and again, on top of what Kale did individually as a wrestler, uh, just incredible. And I think back to, I was hosting a radio show in central Pennsylvania on an ESPN affiliate back when Kale Sanderson was hired. And it was a big deal, obviously. It, you know, he was a name, the big, the greatest college wrestler of all time. And, and Penn State wrestling fans, I remember taking calls that day of, hey, how did this come about? Uh, uh, Guy Cipriano, formerly of the Center Daily Times, was on with me that day. And we talked about the money. How did they get Kale the money? How much money did Kale get? Ira Lubert was involved. Dave Joyner, the former athletic director, uh, was involved. And Dave took a lot of heat from a lot of people that, that were not fans of the way he handled things uh, after the scandal. But Dave Joyner was very influential in getting Kale Sanderson to Penn State. Dave Joyner hired Bill O'Brien. I mean, Dave Joyner did some, some good things. We can never overlook that. Uh, but I remember back... When all of that news happened and you're thinking, wow, what could this do for Penn State wrestling? <laughs> no one in their right mind could have had any idea just how big it would end up being. Now that we're talking nine times the Nittany Lions have won the national title in 11 years. So, look, uh, I'm not going to break down all these matches. If you saw some of the matches and you followed the tournament over the weekend uh, all, all that needs to be said is Penn State kicked ass and took names and when you've clinched the team title before the finals even start and then you go out and have five individuals win a national championship just a remarkable remarkable performance uh, for Penn State at the NCAAs. All right, that wraps up segment number one. Coming up in segment number two, we'll take a look at some uh, college football with spring football starting for the Nittany Lions. We'll get into all that here on our We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to segment two of this week's We Are podcast. We're going to talk some football and athletic director Sandy Barber because these two topics go hand in hand as we get set to take a look at spring football drills for the Nittany Lion football team. We've talked to Jared and I in recent weeks of what we're looking forward to seeing the most from the Penn State football team, the development in spring and clearly, it starts with the offensive line. I feel I've got a dead horse here as I'm as I'm recording. There's a dead horse on the ground. I got a baseball bat. I'm just gonna beat the hell out of this dead horse, uh, which is the offensive line, because because really, you cannot discuss the Penn State football program without the dead. So I'm going to kick this damn dead horse aside. I've beaten the hell out of that dead horse, which is the offensive line. So beyond the offensive line, what is it that we are looking to see improvement from with the Penn State football program this spring, summer, fall, going into the 2022 season later this year? To me, when you're bringing in the number one quarterback recruit in the country and Drew Aller, the number one running back recruit in the country and Nick Singleton. They're early enrollees. Now, first of all, I just want to take it aside here for a second. I do find it fascinating that so many kids are enrolling early in college nowadays. Now, look, these are business decisions. These are career decisions for these folks. And, and, they probably feel like these decisions have to be made. But it kind of just goes, I want everybody to think about their own life. Would you have been ready, anybody out there, would you have been ready to graduate high school in December of your senior year and then leave and go to college? Now, Everybody's high school experiences are different. A lot of people hated high school. You loathed high school. You didn't want to get up. Maybe you weren't the popular kid. Maybe people picked on you. Maybe you maybe you loved high school. I don't know. But could you have imagined? I, I, I've always wondered about this because it's kind of just a given with the way we view big-time sports. Oh, these guys have to enroll early. Man, I would not have been ready in any way to graduate and leave all my friends in December, miss out on that final semester of high school, miss out on prom in a lot of cases. Now, again, look, I'm I'm not saying that these guys did anything wrong. They Drew Aller, Nick Singleton. This is how you go on and help yourself make millions of dollars. I, I just wanted to point out, though, that it is fascinating to me <laughs> that, that how just how different these guys' lives are than 
most people who would know in no way be ready to graduate high, leave high school in December. Okay, so that that aside, when you bring in the number one quarterback, the number one running back, that first semester, that early enrollee semester, they need to make significant, significant progress. That's what they're there for. And when they are elite prospects, I, I fully want to see when we get to the blue-white game here uh, next month, we're about a month away now, I fully want to see Drew Aller out there at, you know, play, playing quarterback for most of the scrimmage for one of the teams. Now, again, we'll, we'll break down whether Sean Clifford will play in it and, you know, Bo Perbula. But I, I want to see, and I think all of you want to see, just what Drew Aller can do even though he's only been on campus for a short time and this will be his first, you know, spring ball. But that's what you expect when you're that level of prospect and you're that kind of kid and you're leaving high school a semester early. I think we're going to roll out to the spring game, to the blue-white game next month, and we're going to expect to see Drew Aller come out there and look fantastic. Um, is he going to have a whole bunch of the playbook to work with? no. But I think we expect to see a pretty polished kid, even though this is, you know, his first semester of college. Nick Singleton is going to be interesting. And but you know, both of these kind of tie in together. I don't <laughs> this is in no way any statement about Nick Singleton. I don't care who's running the ball. If they don't have the offensive line fixed, it won't matter. It won't matter if it's Nick Singleton or Jesus back there. If they don't have the, and this is why I started this, kicking the, beating the dead horse of the offensive line, because if they don't have that taken care of, you can bring Jim Brown, you can bring Gail Sayers, Ernie Davis, you can bring Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Barry Sand. It, it won't matter. It just won't. And so I am, just like all of you guys, I am fully ready to see what Nick Singleton can do. But I don't want to see the young man get broken because he's getting hit in the backfield all the time. And that's what we want to see with that offensive line. What are they going to do? Not that we're going to see this in the spring game, but everything has to be taken ahead, you know, looking ahead. How are they going to develop? Because the offensive line was just atrocious at run blocking in 2021. So that's clearly the number one fix. So yes, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Aller and Singleton, but I, I think we need to temper our, our expectations a little bit with Nick Singleton because it just simply doesn't matter how good he is if that offensive line cannot find ways to open up holes for him. So those are the keys on offense I want to see develop during spring ball. On defense, look, they got a lot, they lost a lot of talent on the line and at linebacker. They got a lot of key at all three levels, really. Uh, with Jaquan Brisker, the linebackers, Brandon Smith, Arnold Ebicady on the, I mean, they lost, they lost a lot of talent on the defensive side. Now, Penn State has recruited very well on both sides of the ball and, and certainly on defense. So we, we would expect a lot of these young guys to be able to um, make some pretty good progress throughout the spring and summer, and we'll see for this fall. But now it's their turn, and that's what this spring will be spent determining is, you know, hey, hey, 
you know, they always say next man up mentality. These guys are gone. These guys are gone to the NFL. This is your, your opportunity for a lot of these dudes. And we're going to break down a lot more individual names next week. The plan next week, Jared and I, we're going to spend a lot of time on spring ball. I, I just, I don't, I'm not going to get into, you know, 15 or 20 names right now when we've got wrestling and basketball and Sandy Barber news to discuss. But certainly on the defensive side, I, I want to see a lot of these guys who have been backups and, uh, you know, guys we've heard a whole lot about Kalen King. Uh, is a guy I would expect to take a huge step forward. I want to see what Keaton Ellis can do. Can he kind of take a, a big step forward? But th- that that's what I'm looking for this spring is there will be openings and opportunities. And like James Franklin says, compete in everything you do. I think there's going to be a lot of competition on the defensive side of the ball for some spots. Now, big news last week with Sandy Barber, the AD, announcing that she will be retiring this summer. This was a surprise to me. I thought Sandy, whose contract runs through August of next year, of 2023, I thought she would stick out the contract and maybe even last uh, for a few more years just to create some continuity. You've got a new university president. Now you're going to have a new AD and keep in mind, James Franklin already lost his right-hand man and defensive coordinator, Brent, P- Brent Pry. Michael Hazel left the program. That was one of James Franklin's closest confidants. Dwight Galt, strength and conditioning guy, an extremely important member of the program. There has been an enormous amount of change at Penn State. Again, new president, new AD. There's going to be a new AD now. Key football staffers. So... When I look at Sandy Barber's legacy, and I do have an extensive column about this at DK Pittsburgh Sports, if you want to check this out, I look at two components that make her legacy incomplete as of right now. I have never made any secret of the fact that I did not like that they gave James Franklin a 10-year contract. I think Sandy Barber messed that whole thing up and that a big part of her legacy from her eight-year tenure as Penn State's AD will be determined by how James Franklin handles and performs over the next probably five to seven years, which is the the bulk of that 10-year contract. I'm not going to get into all the history, but he had four years left on his contract, and he was coming off back-to-back seasons in which he went 11-11. and You don't give a coach who's 11-11 and a 10-year contract. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to me. There was no reason. James Franklin had no leverage. Maybe he had leverage early on when his name came up for the USC and LSU jobs. But once they started losing all these games, he wasn't going to get one of those jobs. But I think Sandy Barber got stuck. She had already promised him certain things. And then when they started losing and kept losing, she probably felt like she didn't want to go back on those promises, one of which was a 10-year deal. And so there was n- there was just no reason. He wasn't going anywhere. James Franklin wasn't going anywhere. So now Penn State has a coach with a 10-year contract who is has had success, but not recently. How James Franklin does in these next few years will determine in, in, in a large way to me 
Sandy Barber's legacy because, hey, if, if Penn State succeeds, gets to a college football playoff in the next few years, but gets back and ranked in the top 10 or 15 every year, then absolutely you could say, hey, Sandy made a good deal. It's $8.5 million a year <coughs> for 10 years, but the salary is fixed, so it's not like uh, James Franklin is going to cost them a ton five, six, seven years from now when coaching salaries keep increasing. So it's possible that we'll look back in a few years and say, hey, Sandy Barber did a really good thing in locking up James Franklin for 10 years. But if Penn State struggles for the next two or three years, which we don't really expect with the way recruiting is gone and getting Drew Aller and Nick Singleton, but it is possible. There's no guarantee that Drew Aller is going to stay at Penn State through the transfer portal era. There's no guarantee Nick Singleton will work out, uh, you know, the way people are hoping. So if James Franklin struggles... We're going to look and say, why on earth did Sandy Barber extend him for 10 years? She could have waited another year. So that's one component of it. The other component of Sandy Barber's legacy to me is the facilities master plan, which just seems to be dragging and dragging and dragging. Beaver Stadium is a tremendous, wonderful facility when you are there for game and the atmosphere in the stadium is outstanding. But the stadium needs massive work. We all know this. It, it is an eyesore to look at. There's lots of structural things they've got to get taken care of. The facilities master plan, uh, it, it's almost kind of like a joke, really, at this point. This thing was announced five years ago. And yet, I got an email from Penn State a couple weeks ago that there's they're still in the study and survey process. They want fans to take surveys on things that are important to them. This is five years later. You would think that five years after announcing the facilities master plan, that you would already be doing a lot of the major construction. But that's not the case. And look, Penn State, just like all of us, had to go through COVID, and that hurt them financially. But at the same time, you just wonder, I, I've always wondered, did they bite off more than they can chew because the initial, the initial figures that I, you know, kind of estimated and talking with some people back five years ago when a lot of this stuff first came up was this is going to cost half a billion dollars to do all the renovations that they're talking about to Beavers. Half a billion with a B. And so then the question was, why don't they just go ahead and build another stadium? Well, a, a new stadium would cost a billion. And where are you going to put it? Would they have had any room? So these are the questions that we've been talking about for five years. And yet when you go to Beaver Stadium, the stuff is still not done. Now, they have made some upgrades to football facilities, no question. And that is that is important. And they've made they've started some, pro, you know, some projects across campus. But, you know, <laughs> Beaver Stadium still needs massive, massive upgrades. And I just wonder Sandy Barber has done a nice job fundraising. They're, they released something that Penn State's had, I think, seven of their top ten fundraising years during Sandy Barber's tenure. She's done a nice job. But were promises made and goals set so high that it was maybe unrealistic to think that she or anybody in that athletic director position could have fully achieved those goals in a certain period of time. But that's what's that's another component that we'll see how things go 
uh, in the next few years with the, with the new AD? Will that person come in and be able to really, really ratchet up the fundraising? Or, hey, maybe if he or she doesn't, maybe we'll look back and say Sandy Barber did a really good job with the fundraising component uh, for the facilities master plan. But that to me is a, is a major component uh, of what we're going to be considering with her legacy down the road. Again, I was surprised that she decided to go ahead and retire now. I thought she might just, just to keep some continuity, stick around for a few more years and continue that fundraising. But look, that's a massive job in front of whomever Penn State hires so whenever that decision is made and they bring on a new AD, you just hope it's somebody that can really, really convince a lot of rich uh, Penn State alums uh, to fork over a lot of money because that's what's going to take uh, to, to do a lot of these projects within the facilities master plan. That's going to wrap up uh, segment two here. We'll take a break and uh, talk some college basketball. What will Penn State have to do to become an NCAA tournament participant under Micah Shrewsbury. We'll get to that after the break. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome to our third and final segment of this week's We Are podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey Geiger solo this week. Jerry Prugar is off. I love college basketball, as I mentioned repeatedly last week. Uh, the NCAA tournament is my favorite time of year. I've enjoyed all these first and second round games of the opening weekend of the term. Just some crazy, crazy action, as always. And then you just sit there and you think, well, how cool would it be to see Penn State in this tournament consistently at some point? It's it's never happened. Penn State's been in the NCAA tournament six times in the last 60-plus years. They would have made it with Lamar Stevens, but the tournament was canceled. And then you look at the progress and the foundation that Micah Shrewsbury laid in Season 1, and I, everybody is on the same page of thinking, wow, he is the right guy. He can get Penn State going in the right direction, and we'll see how many tournaments he can get to. Okay, but then, just a few days after the season ended, Sam Sessoms entered the transfer portal. And this is where things get really interesting. Penn State's going to get players from the transfer portal. We've talked about this for a long time. I think the key for Penn State and Micah Shrewsbury is to land the right guys out of the transfer portal that fit your system. But at the same time, you've still got to keep the guys 
that can help you that you've already got. Now, does Sam Sessoms fully fit Micah Shrewsbury's system? Not really. I mean, Sam is an offensive-minded guy. Micah wants somebody with more defensive-mindedness and and, and toughness, and, and Sam did a decent job at that sometimes, but uh, Sam Sessoms wants to shoot. He wants to score. But the one thing Sam Sessoms could do is he could get you shots late in the clock and he could get other people shots late in the clock. We saw the ball in his hands a good bit at the end of games. Now, Jalen Pickett clearly is an outstanding player and he'll be back and he'll be the, you'd think, unless they get somebody better, the number one option next year. But Sam Sessoms was a valuable guy in the Big Ten. He is not irreplaceable by any stretch of the imagination, but is there a guarantee that Micah Shrewsbury is going to be able to land better players than Sam Sessoms? I, I just don't know. I, I, that That is my concern for Penn State. And again, I'm not trying to make Sam Sessoms into something that he's not. He's a good offensive player, and, and I do think Penn State will be an enticing place to a number of transfer portal candidates, but so will other schools. And so it didn't necessarily surprise me that Sam Sessoms entered the portal. And if he does leave, uh, he'll, he'll go have some, some success somewhere else. But the key for Micah Shrewsbury will be if you get some players that come in and have success for you, you've got to be able to keep them for, for several years. Uh, I, I just, I think that's going to be one of the challenges because they're going to play a system under Shrewsbury that is going to compete night in and night out. But folks, they play in the Big Ten. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The Big Ten is brutal, brutally tough. Nine teams selected the tournament this year. So winning games in the Big Ten is always going to be difficult even if Micah Shrewsbury gets some good players. They recruited well from high school, but if he gets good players from the portal, sure, they can win some games. They can compete. They can maybe get in a position to to challenge for an NCAA tournament berth. I don't have any doubt that that's a possibility. But when we talk about consistently and maybe getting to multiple NCAA tournaments, the way you do that is, well, first of all, you got to get to one. And you've got to convince your people to stay after, even if you don't get there after a year or two or three or what have you. And so the, the, the glasses have full in me says the optimist says Micah Shrewsbury is going to get some good players. They're going to compete their tails off and they could go to the NCAA tournament next year. It'd be awesome. I'd love to see it. The glasses half empty component says, well, you lost Sam Sessoms. Um, you're losing John Hara. Um, Jalen Pickett's a good player. You can go after some good players in the portal. You're not guaranteed to get any of the best ones. And then you're also in the Big Ten. And so when I'm watching NCAA tournament games, it's amazing how programs that don't necessarily get a lot of attention can end up having some success. I pay attention to college basketball all year. I didn't watch St. Peter's this year. St. Peter's gets to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. That's incredible. And you, and and when something like that happens, you think, okay, hey, what could Penn State do? If Penn State could get in, could they make a run? I think that Lamar Stevens team was, was a Sweet 16 caliber team a couple years ago when the tournament was canceled. 
But to be able to talk about even trying to get to that point, Penn State just needs better players. And so it's good news Jalen Pickett announced he's going to come back. I, I really hope Micah can land a couple of the right guys. Because, again, I keep repeating this over and over. I don't necessarily think this is going to get done from the high school level of recruiting. Because think about it this way. You're a really good high school recruit. You go to Penn State. You ball out as a freshman. What's to keep you there as a sophomore? If you don't make the tournament, what's to keep you there as a sophomore? Oh, well, love for Penn State and love for the system and love for Micah Shrews. Okay, that's all. Those are all grandiose notions. But these kids want to go to tournaments. They want to prepare themselves for the NBA. They want no, they want to win. They want notoriety. And so uh I I think next year will be really key because for, for Penn State, because if they go out and they really are close, and I'm talking about, you know, they're you're we're talking about Penn State on selection Sunday, whether they make it or not. That's what we really kind of need to see next year. Because if he doesn't get that kind of momentum going in the in the in the second year, then you wonder with the transfer portal. You know, Pickett will be gone. Will they be able to compete with some of these other programs when they're going after bigger names in the portal? That's going to be, that's going to be the key. I'm a lifelong Syracuse fan. If Syracuse is going after a kid in the portal and Penn State's going after that same kid, tradition would tell you Syracuse would be a better spot for that guy. All right. Uh, UConn could be going after the same kid. We, we've talked about this kind of thing over the last few weeks. The good news is this was a this was an outstanding foundation building year, and I hope that when we get to selection time and, and the tournament next year, we can look and say, "Hey, what well, Penn State's right there? They're right on the cusp." And, and Micah Shrewsbury clearly has a plan for how to get there. At the same time, the fact that they're in the Big Ten. And you got nine teams. The Big Ten was even down this year, and they still got nine teams in the tournament. That is, uh, that is always going to be the challenge. I will say this, though. Uh, when you think about w- where Penn State basketball was six, seven years ago, before they really got rolling and Pat Chambers really got it going, um, the, and, and, and then they became a much deeper and more consistent program. But five, six, seven years ago, there was really no hope for Penn State basketball. Now there is hope. And speaking of Patrick Chambers, congratulations. I want to you know, say congrats to him for getting the job at head coaching job at Florida Gulf Coast. I am glad Pat got a second chance. I'm, I am surprised. I will admit this. I'm surprised that it came this early after sitting out for a year and a half. I figured Pat would probably get a second opportunity after what happened at Penn State um, with the whole noose comment to Rasir Bolton and the investigation. And we think they found that that he was not necessarily the greatest leader for the program, although we don't we don't know a lot of the details about what, what they found in those investigations. I thought I thought, to be honest with you, that Pat Chambers might get blackballed a little bit for a, for a, a few years and not really get much of an opportunity for a few years and have to kind of sit out and really pay his dues. 
Instead, he's getting that, uh, that opportunity a year and a half later. And that's good because I hate cancel culture. I cannot stand cancel culture in our society. If you make a mistake, a lot of people are just pushed aside, shoved aside, and forgotten about. And I do think Pat Chambers is a good man. Um, so I, I'm glad to see him get a head coaching opportunity. And I hope he makes the most of it there. Um, and, and look, the bottom line for me is, Pat Chambers can coach. He learned his lesson after what went down at Penn State. And I, I, I think that he will be much more cautious, much more careful in the way he treats uh, everyone around him, players, assistant coaches, everyone around. Because that, there, were, there were a lot of stories. Dave Jones from the Patriot News and Penn Life, you know, wrote some columns uh, just getting into how you know, Pat Chambers kind of made things miserable for a lot of people around him at Penn State. He was just so intense and so fiery that he made life difficult for people around him. So hopefully he learned his lesson there uh, and and can go down to Florida Gulf Coast and, and succeed. I really do hope that, uh, that that is the case. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's edition of our We Are podcast. Comment here in the comments section at DK Pittsburgh Sports if you have any questions or uh, topics that you want me to cover in some subsequent uh, podcasts. Hopefully, Jared Prugar will be back with us next week. Uh, if not, then I'll uh, do it solo here again. But I appreciate everyone listening, and uh, we will have a lot more coverage, uh, football coverage, now that spring uh, drills are starting. We have not had a lot of stories at DK Pittsburgh Sports Lately, I didn't I didn't cover wrestling and basketball a whole lot. I'll explain that maybe in another podcast. But we with football, uh, spring drills starting back up. We will have a lot more stories here on the website in the coming weeks. 